We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Thursday afternoon. It's November 16th after the Wolves' seven-game winning streak was snapped in Phoenix on Wednesday night, uh, a game that we'll, we'll get into, but a game that they looked quite exhausted in. Obviously, it was the back end of a road, road, back-to-back in the midst of a five-game road trip, so a lot of excuses there. Again, we'll get into it. I've got Britt Robson from Mint Post here. Uh, we haven't talked to Britt since actually before the road trip started, before the San Antonio game, was, was which was the first of the the five games uh, they played. Ooh, I just knocked my microphone over. Uh, Britt, you uh, you wrote in your column uh, this morning that will be out at MinPost on Friday morning that uh, the best excuse for uh, a team to look exhausted in a game is a a seven game winning is coming off of a seven game winning streak, meaning. Right. You've obviously put a lot more uh, weight into what they did at the beginning uh, of this road trip or even even before that. I assume that's because you're rather blown away by the consistency and kind of, I guess, overall effectiveness of the seven-game road trip. Yeah. Seven-game winning streak, yeah. I think that, um, first of all, you know, six and four was as good as they could do in any 10-game increment that, you know, you break it into 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever. And they were eight and two Last to start yeah. to start the season, yeah. And seven games in a row is, I think, that's over twenty years since that happened. So I mean, this <laughs> is kind of, you know, it, it is rather remarkable. And also the caliber of the competition that you know they had a couple of you know the, obviously the New Orleans game that that team was strip mined and really uh, not ready to play that game. Um, Golden State wanted to compete in both of the games they played and they were both emotionally taxing games. That's a proud franchise, even though it's clearly on the fade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, beating Denver and Boston, even at home when they're riding high and, and remain probably the odds on favorites to meet in the finals. Um, I think it's pretty extraordinary. I think that I'm of the belief and always have been, that defense is a much better barometer of elite consistency than offense. Mm-hmm. It's a make or miss league, 
but it is easier to make people miss than it is to make them all the time. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think that the defense obviously fell down last night. A phenomenal 146-2 is what Phoenix wound up with, and it probably could have been higher. Uh, but what I saw was a team that had left it all out on the floor in the previous week and a half. And so um, you, I don't think I'm being charitable here when I cut them that slack. I think that they would normally have lost the San Antonio game and the second Golden State game in previous seasons, I believe. It had all the hallmarks of a Wolves collapse, you know, the giving up of uh, – Offensive rebounds, especially long caroms, uh, transition defense, points off turnovers in general. Um, and I think that, you know, lousy three-point shooting for the most part. Um, this team has people that are not firing on all cylinders all the time, but are playing together at all times. I mean, even playing together in the, in a loss. I mean, that was a joint collapse against Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, with the exception of Cat, there really wasn't anybody. Conley really, a little bit. Yeah, well, Conley, I think Conley just has a higher level of regulation than other yeah. people, you know. I mean, he's not going to – his ceilings are not going to be as high as they were in his prime. Mm-hmm. But I think his floors are, are going to be a lot less frequent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so – you know, I think he's going to be an above-average player 90% of the time. Right. Uh, that's just the way I feel about him. And so I I think that the yo-yos are obviously going to be Gobert and and uh, to some extent Cat, but certainly Ant. Yeah. Uh, and those are the three guys that when they're on, boy, they can make a huge difference. And when they're off, if you're still winning games – you know, that's a really good sign. And and Cat was off at the beginning. Ant was off for most of this road trip. And Gobert was off and on, obviously. Um, I don't know. I, I just, it's really hard not to have growing confidence in this team, um, given what we've seen. Now, does that mean that, you know, you can pencil in the Wolves for home court advantage? I don't think so. But I think you can say that what they have established thus far is firm. Yeah. In, injuries could waylay it. Uh, some kind of weird dissension could waylay it or, you know, whatever. Um, what kind of things that you would put the same odds of happening to another team? I mean, I, I, exactly. I guess there's, you know, when part of that is maybe like shedding the Wolves skin. What what did you call it? The that Wolves fans um, can feel losing like an arthritic person can sense rain coming. Like, yeah. So there, there, there's there's some of that, but I guess that's why my opinion is is kind of shifting or evolving with this team. Is like, yeah, are there potential pratfalls for this team for sure? But are the is the likelihood of those pratfalls? significantly more likely for them than it is for your other top 12 team in the league. I don't know. Not, not, not really. I I think, I I think 
we're we're letting go of some of the idea of of immaturity, lack of focus, those sort of things, given how focused they did look through the first right. 10 games. I guess I just off of last night in Phoenix, um every single possible legitimate excuse. That's about as bad of a quote unquote schedule loss as as you can get. Um and the you know, traveling time zones, all, all, all those all those different things. I, I understand it. Um, but you also come into that game and and you go, well, I'm not expecting them to win. But if they did, that would have that would have signaled something like really, really special to me because I went into that game thinking and remembering Ant's history in back to backs, right? Like right. he has he has not been. I mean, everyone's numbers take a little bit of of a hit. I was just looking it up this morning. Uh, 46% from two in back-to-backs in his career, and in all other games, 52% from two. That's a a pretty big difference and a pretty big sample size. Especially given his mid-range fixation. Exactly. Well, that's that's a bit new. That wasn't as much there in in past years. But, yeah, that's probably part of it, right, is maybe it's a little bit more, whether it's mid-range or not, a little bit more settling, right? And and that's kind of what that performance looked like. His three point percentage takes a dip in in back to backs too. Again, all all reasonable, but it was that you go into that game expecting a loss, expecting Ant to take a step back, understanding Rudy. I think in particular, given how just electrocuting that second Warriors game was for him. <laughs> right. You know, you you just saw. I wrote in my notes right away in the first quarter against the Suns. I was like, this is the slowest Rudy's looked. All season, not right. just noting it, not like criticizing right. Right. it, right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess they could have totally like stomped out and dispelled all of the immaturity notions and all right. this, and showed us they're the complete opposite, opposite side of that by going into Phoenix and winning last night. But is that a reasonable well, expectation? No, I think that's what well. We're- not only that, but there are two sides to every coin on on, on games, and a really good performance by the Wolves probably wasn't going to beat Phoenix last night anyway. I mean, Devin Booker looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Durant seemed comfortable getting everybody else involved with some kind of inner confidence that he was going to have a great game. And then when he Well, I think he was like, Jaden's guarding me. (laughs) That's right. So, like, I mean, not that I'm not going to take any shots, but I I thought that was an interesting matchup right away. How often do we see Jaden not matched up at the point of attack? Right, right. Rarely. Good and they decided to put Ant on Booker and Jaden on Durant With off the ball. Results. I mean, you know, and, I, I just think that Booker. I'm I, my bias is that Booker is better than Durant. I know that's a minority opinion even now, but um, they're both great. Yeah, yeah, they're both. Yeah, they're both really, really good. Um, anyway, the point being is they both were on last night. They're superstars. They both were on. Josh Okogi hit more. Threes, you know, I mean, yeah, he he doubled his season total of threes in three attempts, you know, <laughs> and so uh, and so then you you bet, at that corner, you did, you know, and yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, and there was even though Beal was a last minute scratch, there was a collective idea in that team that this is gonna tonight's gonna be the night. That we come out of our, you know, our cocoon and show the NBA what we have here. And, well, and, I, and I think there's an uh, an awareness that is new, but there that like 
the Wolves are one of the best teams in the league. Right. And let's get back on track against them. If you know, right. I think they came, I think Phoenix came into that game knowing like, if we do half-ass this, like the Wolves can beat us. They're right. a good team now. And it's, you know, some of that cliche, like target on your back. Sort of, I mean, sure, sure. Not, not full on, but certainly more than we're used to uh, watching with the Wolves. I, I think Booker and KD both came into this game like, okay, like the Wolves have been good, um, but we believe we're better than them for, for this season. Like we're going to come right, out. Right, right. They and don't I, normally have that mentality against Minnesota. I think it it is important to note that Golden State, before those two Wolves games, was still being regarded as a fearsome team, mm-hmm. and um, they got they got exposed a little bit by the talent and style of the Wolves. Totally, first game for sure. Yeah, and second game, I mean. Eventually, say what you will. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I actually think that um, it is something that coaches almost always say, and I don't think it's just to cover their ass. I do think when you have a chaotic game where suddenly mm-hmm. the game plan might as well get thrown out the window because uh, nobody really knows who these guys are or how they're going to interact. And they have nothing to lose. They're, in fact, they have everything to gain they, for minutes and everything else. Um, that they're going to play with a swagger, especially when you have a, a crowd that is suddenly out for blood because two of the only two guys remaining in there. It was loud in there, field. man. It was loud. And so that's a lot to overcome. And the way they overcame it, I think, deserves – the detail I gave it my story, I'm not a great one for wanting to resurrect every play that happened, you know, days before people read this. But I think little things like slow-mo's offensive rebound, Conley's immediate dish to Cat, uh, Ant's dish to Conley. I mean, all that stuff. Rudy's block in the corner on Sarge. Rudy's block in the corner, uh, which – how often did Rudy block a corner three last year? Maybe a handful at most. I doubt it, you know. Yeah. And he's I've already could count four in my own head that he's done this year. Right. So it's just I mean, that's um, what was so cool about the end of that Golden State game was you just listed off those three plays. They involved the f- all five players on the floor at right. one point. Kyle's offensive rebound, Mike hitting the corner three, Ant's dish, Rudy with the block, cat hitting the three, like there was a nice poetry to to coming from all five of them. And and even before that, I tweeted out when uh, uh, Finch saved Dan for the last six minutes. He put him in a little later than he usually does. And Cat had it going. And I, I was thinking to myself, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah. We got Cat going and Ant coming back in the game, having proclaimed himself the team's closer on numerous occasions and there was not a speck of possessiveness between them. They were, they were hitting each other with the ball at the times they should have been. And that sharing of the ball between those two, um, you know, they both have interesting egos that they 
they want to pretend that they don't have those egos. But of course, you know, they're not as good as they are without those egos. And they're manifested in very different ways. And yet everybody was on the right page. And if they weren't, I'm not sure that win happens. I think there were a lot of reasons why that game was won by the Wolves. And it did remind me, having seen uh, gritty underdog surges that suddenly get squelched in the final couple of minutes from Wolves is like a, it's a yearly occurrence. Right. Uh, to see it happen where the Wolves are doing the squelching, that's a sign of quality. That's, you know, when you dig deep and come up with resourceful collective ways to eke out a win, that's 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 a character building experience. And uh, Ant and Cat have a right to be proud of the way they conducted themselves with respect to each other in that game. And that, I think even more than Ant and Rudy, quite frankly, is the relationship just because of the power, vol the volatility of scoring, you know, I mean, sure. uh, you, if you could trust people and then of course, Conley again is the regulator and it's, it, it's just the, the internal makeup of this roster Going in, we thought there would be phenomenal depth. Well, that hasn't turned out to be as, as deep as we thought. But among the core eight, there is a synergy there. There is a compassion for a common purpose there. There's a that, pecking order. Yeah. And, but it's a pecking order that... Uh, like organically came together. Has enough variation, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's a defensive pecking order. There is a, a, a defensive pecking order. There is a, a rebounding. You know, I, I found it really interesting to, to notice that uh, on this road trip, Rudy's blocking shots and getting offensive rebounds and Cat is corralling defensive rebounds. That's a that's a wild thing, man. I mean, that's a that's another sign of now. Granted, Cat, if Cat and Rudy are going for a defensive rebound. Rudy is the bigger man on that usually and lets Cat have that board. But I still think at the same time that Cat is making sure that if Rudy's out blocking shots mm -hmm. or, or, you know, crashing on the offensive glass, that he's doing other things. He's trying not to be repetitious with Rudy nearly as much as he was last year. And that, that's, a, that's a great sign. Yeah, you had that stat in your piece. On the road trip, Gobert has... 18 offensive rebounds. Cat has five offensive rebounds, but also in that same time, Cat has 39 defensive rebounds and Gobert has 23 defensive rebounds. And blocks, I think, are like 10 to 1. Right. Obviously, you know? Rudy being the 10. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I think Cat deserves his his own segment here with his play of late. So let's get into him first. Uh Want to let you all know about Falling Knife Brewing Company. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife. Uh, Falling Knife, the, the Wolves play the Pelicans on, on Saturday evening. That's the next game uh, coming up here. Obviously, that's an option for you to go uh, watch it with other Wolves fans. Also, throughout uh, Thanksgiving week, you know, maybe a family or or whatever in town. Monday uh, against the Knicks. Wednesday uh, is against the Sixers. I think Friday is against the Kings. If you're looking for a place to go out 
uh, with your family, but you also want to watch the Wolves game, have the the sound on Falling Knife uh, in Minneapolis. We'll have other people doing that uh, that same thing with you. So as always, keep Falling Knife on your radar for a place to, to go watch the games. I was just thinking this upcoming week in particular might be uh, perfect for that. So that's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, Brett, um, Cats play of late. I I think this is the best three games in a row he's played in the Rudy Gobert era. Um, and maybe, never, maybe yeah. ever. You know, if you, count, if you count defense, yeah. Well, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I, 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 mean, know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get there, but like it's, and, well, and, and maybe I mean, it is true. I just didn't think about well, it. Well, like let's, let's think about uh, the high wall era. Cat was good. Um, and he fit in well, mm-hmm. but um, it was also tailored to hide Cat some, you know. Mm-hmm. And this, I think this current defense is kind of tailored to hide Cat, but less so now that Rudy's in rotation. I, I think that what is really good, Cat's adjustment to Rudy being in rotation First of all, it makes sense because it gives him some comfort in the paint, which he likes. Uh, I don't know. I just like the way he's his recognition is going up. Uh, his reaction time as a result, he's got pre-recognition now, which is so important. You know, he's got some of that as reps, but some of that is I think Cat didn't really get the emotional investment in what he was doing last year. Even when he was playing, I just didn't get the impression that uh, he was saying, okay, I'm a power forward now. Uh, But might not have known what that meant. Yeah. Or like, uh, I don't think he did. I don't don't think he really wanted to define himself that way. When I asked him uh, at his signing press conference, I remember that. Are you starting to lose weight, you know, to be a power forward? He goes, Oh no, you know, I'm a, Center too, you know. Yeah, and that was the first sign that, uh oh, you know, because. <laughs> but but he's relented on that now. I, yeah. I think for for sure. I think there exactly, is a, a and great... that's important, and that's mm-hmm. selfless. You know, all this. What my line always was when Finch said he sacrificed more than anybody. I say, okay, good. Let me see the sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if he has in fact sacrificed. But you're saying now that you and now I am, are I have. Yeah. I am seeing the sacrifice. I am seeing. The maturity, he's not uh, – he wasn't baiting on the refs as much. He had a little turnover problem against San Antonio, but I really think that his turnovers uh, – I noticed that, you know, I went back and looked at his 10 turnovers on the road trip. Three of them are lobs to Gobert where at least one of them and maybe two of them was classic Gobert not seeing it, you know, which is always an issue. Speaking of which, last night, Jesus, Gobert couldn't locate the ball almost like for most of the night. It was weird. He was he, he was, was just gassed. he was fried. He was fried. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I guess how could you not be? And Cat wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> because because you know what, Cat Cat didn't Rudy got emotionally fried in San Francisco. Cat right. right. did right. not. And then yeah. I'm I've been saying <laughs> that all week is like Pat Bev notwithstanding. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> good old Pat Bev. Right. Hey, remember me? Yeah, I, I like the little kid trying to get over the fence again. <laughs> no, buddy, you're behind the fence now. Yeah, yeah. no. I, when I was talking to Jace about the the headlock thing yesterday, I I said <laughs> I was 
surprised or like my initial reaction, like watching it happen was that like cat or ant didn't like get in there and try and rip Draymond off. I'm not saying that was the right thing that people are like, what the hell are you talking about, Dan? You're talking all the time about cat needed to be emotionally regulated. I'm like, no, I know it was a good thing. He did it. I'm, I'm surprised he did it, you know, or like, right. right. You know, or that's, I don't know. That's where my gut goes in that moment where I'm like, dude, this guy is about to put Rudy to sleep. Like it was a weird combination though, of a, a skirmish and a brawl, you know I mean? You, 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 the the temperature Everyone kept of, thought it was going to end. Kept thinking it was going <laughs> the to end. Temperature it, of the thing just slowly escalated. The longer Draymond kept dragging Rudy with his arm. Well, dude, it was like Draymond starts dragging Rudy away, and so everyone forgets about Clay and Jaden, the two who are actually trying to punch each other. Like that, Clay is just like free release, and all that's standing between. Clay, like none of his teammates are there. All that's standing between Clay and Jaden is Mike Conley just desperately trying to like pull. J- you can see like Mike's muscles engaged, just trying to yank him away. I mean, it was so it was so chaotic that you forgot the first and primary skirmish because Draymond right. was just going crazy. And Rudy did make a mistake. I, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter about this, but. Wrapping your arms around an opponent in the middle of a squabble is never a good thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, and so I thought the outcome was perfect. I would have said, I would have preferred no fine and a tech, not not an injection, but a tech for Rudy for what he did. Uh, It turns out it was a fine and play on for him. Either way, he, he, the fact that he didn't come out clean, I think was to some extent, because let's face it, if Rudy hadn't touched Clay, you know, Draymond would have been even more deranged. I mean, what Draymond did would have been like 20 games, not 10 or five. I had this weird, this is stupid, but I had this weird thought in the book, just because it happened so early in the game. I was like, you know, it'd be a cool rule if there was like in the first half, if you get a double tech, you just get timeout till halftime. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been cool if they all came back in for the second half? That would have been that would have been well. I, here's the thing that I think people on Twitter made good points about. How in the world does Ant get attacked for for yelling one thing after he <laughs> slams things? And Draymond yeah. basically is trying to pick a fight with this guy for like a minute and a half, and nothing happens to him. I know. Is yeah. What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? I mean, versus somebody going yeah after a dunk, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, you're saying from the first game, Draymond and Ant. yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole idea that hey, I'm uh, I'm fine. Let that let the Draymond and Ant one go, and let the Ant dunk go. Like I've been with both of exactly. It, you know? I'm I'm fine with that. But if you're going to try to you're literally call pick Ant, up, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Right. Consistently saying that to somebody. Those are fighting words. What are you going to do about it is like a fighting words. Uh, There's no more obvious truth in any of this other than the fact that the referees are afraid of Draymond Green. (laughs) I mean, that is just a truth. Like, I mean, it is. 
and, and whatever. Like that is just it's it is that way. It's going to be that way. He's going to complain about a bunch of calls, and they're just going to be like, "Well, he'll really lose his head eventually. We'll find him down the line." You know, <laughs> but this is not worth it to T. I, I I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's, it's the, a double standard. Yeah. Pat Bev, to be fair, did opened a little envelope for himself with the refs too. I mean, he would do stuff when he was with the Wolves that. I was kind of surprised he didn't get teed. Right. When and you do it consistently, is, you get away with it. Is, and is, also, I Pat Bev used to, like, it was fun for me to watch him before games go and chat up refs. Yeah. I mean, he, he was friends with the refs, you know. I don't know about Draymond, whether he does that or not. I think Draymond's <laughs> got his own kind of code. That, uh, right. No, know. Pat did do that. Yeah. Uh, watching Pat before a game was the, the best thing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> The well, funniest I mean, I, thing. Remember when he slapped Glenn on the butt hard <laughs> right in front of us? That was yeah, Glenn's eighty-one-year-old ass. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised that you know there wasn't a broken bone or two, uh, that's either in Pat's hand or Glenn's ass. I don't know which. <laughs> uh, speaking of stray voltage, um, no, the, the Carl has. Um, I, I'm just really impressed and like not not just from the emotional regulation, like no, the bag looks deep, right? Like the shot oh. looks good. I mean, I, I clipped one play from it was like they're down by like 25 last night, but it was like the middle of the third quarter. Like not like Phoenix wasn't trying that little like almost four or five pick and roll dribble handoff thing. He ran with Rudy there while KD was on him. I mean, he cat cooked that and looked like a wing doing it. It was the most cat is slowly starting to look more and more like a big wing in the way Nas looks like a gig big wing. Maybe right, big right. is an understatement. Gigantic wing. Right. 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 And um, that's that role. That's the role. When, when you're on the, when you're on the floor with Rudy, they need you offensively at least to be a gigantic wing because that's going to lead to more spacing. Right. But cat's and doing a great job of defensively is he's being a big, big, Often guarding the center uh, and or defense, I say defensively guarding, uh, guarding the center there like that. That's the role. Be um, like a four or five true big defensively with a little bit of chasing duties, but offensively, I think Carl's role when he's out there is pretty big. as much or more than yeah. Sure, sure. I mean that's that's a that's a thrilling development as far as I'm concerned. Sure, you know because Rudy, it used to be. Rudy can't do that. Rudy won't do that. Da, da, mm -hmm. da, you know, and there was legitimate uh, questions of whether Rudy could or would do that coming mm -hmm. into the season. And he doesn't even, I mean, what, what is revealing to me is he doesn't want to concede it as much as he wants to do it. You know, he doesn't want to say, yeah, I'm out there. I'm, you know, he wants to say, still say, I'm Rudy Gobert. I protect the rim, and that's what I do. Mm -hmm. But he's Rudy Gobert, and he's almost everywhere out to the three-point line now uh, at various times during a game. And that, to me, is an old dog learning a very new trick. And you know and who deserves as much credit as Rudy does for that is Cap. Well, uh, because I, that no, that does the the thing. Is, the Rudy didn't do that in Utah because they didn't have 
the option of having Carl guard the player that Rudy would typically guard. The, what makes the, world, the, the Wolves defense, secret sauce, whatever, whatever, is Cat guarding a, a big, a good and one. Jayden, and Jaden, and Jaden being able to fill, and Ant being up on people. I mean, but, I, I now it, what, what unlocks it is being able to put Rudy in the position to lurk, or to play off of Draymond, or to right. guard the, the non-shooter. Okay. That, that's Fair the enough. weapon. Yes, the, the Ant and Jaden and Nikhil or whoever like need to pursue. They need to be up in the ball. They need to do all those things. But you can't put Rudy in the lurk without Cat. You can't. Right. If it was Jaden, if Jaden was the four, if you, you, whatever, like you couldn't do that. You know, if, if the it only a other big, person big team, I could see it happening with is slow mo. Actually, not Nas, but I think slow mo could, could could and stay with a big. And what was the first breadcrumb of this being a great, a potentially great thing for the Wolves? It was last season when at Target Center, Cat was out. They played the Denver Nuggets and they beat him. And Kyle Anderson started and he guarded Nikola Jokic. And right, Rudy right. Gobert lurked off of Aaron Gordon. It's the thing. This is the right. thing. It's what makes this team special defensively. The pursuit has been great. The on-ball stuff, that's good. Like, But that's those things are required to be a, a top 10 defense. You need to have right. that. Right. To become a great one, you need to have a weapon. And, and, and they've turned Rudy into a weapon because Carl's been able to check, you know, the – the main, the, the primary guys. And I, Phoenix didn't present that matchup. That's part of the reason why I think they ran them. And it's a, it's a thing to note in our heads. Like, okay, yeah, they beat, they look like they can compete with Denver in the playoffs. Right. 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 You know, you like, you can open yourself up to that idea. Cause we've seen it work a little bit, even Boston. You're like, you know, that, Right, they they seem to contend with Phoenix. Phoenix to be different. honest with you, yeah, I mean, if they play Eubanks instead of Nurkic, and I don't think it was a coincidence that Nurkic yeah. looked totally out of sorts, and he has all year. Mm -hmm. But this was a matchup. Taylor made. I mean, Eubanks is is a notorious Wolves killer. You know, it's good. And and well, I mean, he's wasn't that fun though when uh, Nurkic flushed one on Cat and Ant went down. <laughs> And did the same uh, Eubanks. Eubanks, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Eubanks flush one on uh, Cat and Ann immediately went down and tried to do the same thing on Eubanks. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm sticking up for my boy. Right. I, I just, I guess, just to, to put a pin in it, like, Cat, cool to see the offense having come around. The one thing that you and I have been talking about, though, like, pretty much throughout the season is his – Cat has had a defensive standard, not as a superb defender, but one that allows them to unlock something um, in their defense, Rudy's abilities right. uh, to, to a higher level. And Cat Cat deserves credit, in my opinion, um, for both sides of the ball right now. And, and there's, and I think even more so, or maybe not more so, because I think it bothers me probably more than. It bothers his teammates. How would I know one way or the other? But I do think that the uh, self-awareness and the engagement and doing the right things and being a good teammate and being a guy in the locker room that uh, mm -hmm. is not acting strangely, um, all of those things, I think, are signs of cat maturing in ways that, um, let's face it, in year nine, year eight, whatever it is, you wondered if 
these things would really come to fruition. And mm -hmm. it's yet another thing. I mean, we are wondering when Ant would take the leap. We're wondering if Rudy could, you know, extend beyond his defensive habits. We're wondering, you know, about all these various things, how, you know, Mike Conley's age would, you know, so far, so many things pointing upward yeah. on questions, you know, revolving around the Wolves. Um, that's why they're eight and three. Even, yeah. It's why we're holding this tone even after kind of getting run off yeah. the floor and choosing to choosing to see the excuse rather than the legitimate mulligan, yep. in my opinion. That's well put. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Britt. Um, let's, let's move over to uh, what you talked about in the end of your column, which was... Jaden McDaniels, um, among NBA players who have logged at least 200 minutes thus far this season, Jaden McDaniels fouls more frequently than any of them. He's averaging 5.4 personal fouls per 36 minutes uh, played. His career average is 4-2, and, yeah. and I probably 4-1 before the season started. Um, you know, it's, it's a significant difference, and he was a fouler before. He's yeah. just he's second uh, in the league in fouls last season. Total fouls. Yeah. yeah. And and he's fouling more now. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, I mean, there's I, I've I've gone into the reasons for it in the past, and they're they're legitimate reasons, you know. I don't I don't want to say that uh he to be clear, I want to more like get and, and I want to talk about why he's fouling, but like it really shifts how the game goes. Like I always note to myself when he isn't and you know, the, the rotations don't get broken up. It's more the right. things that they're aiming, like the players they're aiming to have on the floor together. It's, it is dysregulating. I mean, we, we can make excuses for why they're happening and how they're happening and all that. I'm, I'm more trying to wrap my head around 
how dysregulating it is. I know to some degree, right. as any good player getting in foul trouble dysregulates your plan. Um, it's just the dysregulations are happening very frequently because the fouling right. is, is up the season. And the injury yeah. to begin the season. I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that the team's defense, while good, really clicked into place after the fourth game. I mean, during the fourth yeah. game, the first three games, no Jaden. Everything kind of locked into it. The what we see about this defense. He now. played in the he played in the third game in Atlanta. Oh, he did play in Atlanta. Yeah, he okay. was on he was uh, on I Trey Young. That, but but uh, that when the winning streak started, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so anyway, it's um, another point is penalty. I mean, if you're in the penalty early, yeah. you know there are the there are teams that. The Wolves haven't played that many teams that exploit that yet. Mm -hmm. um, but like the Sixers, when they come to town, I will tell you, any any fouls that Jaden gets on Tobias Harris or mm -hmm. Tyrese Maxey is Lead just – It's for Embiid. That means Embiid is yeah. going to live at the line, you know, mm -hmm. because Embiid's going to get his share. Right. So uh, it's extremely important that Jaden doesn't follow as much against the Sixers and against a handful of other teams that do this well. It, it's also, I mean, there. I just want to note they're so fortunate to have Kyle Anderson to be able to plug in and in, in those in those situations. Yeah, and Nikhil too, for sure. Um, I just like. I, the perfect example of playing without Jaden is the second Warriors game, right? They played right. 46 exactly. and a half minutes right. um, without him. And, you know, Kyle Anderson did a lot in that game, but he got that offensive rebound that, you know, when right. we were talking about those three big plays of the game, that was the first of the three big plays. It started yes. it. It was the first winning play that won the game. And, and Kyle's been, Kyle's been Kyle, which right. is actually a, a a high bar, and they're fortunate, and they need that. They need that with Jaden McDaniels, and it's just another, as we start thinking about the bigger picture of Kyle's on an expiring contract, unrestricted free agent this summer, it, it's not just that Kyle Anderson is tied into the fabric of who and what this team is and regulates his team, much like Mike Conley does. He's also the bridge of Jaden's foul trouble, which is a near nightly, uh, a near nightly issue with this team. So I, I say that to mean and the backup yeah. point guard. <laughs> as long as J Mac is out, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. I mean, it, 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 you would think that Finch might have been saying that facetiously before we actually saw what happened. Mm -hmm. But the more that Na and Shake Milton can't play the point that reliably. I mean, they can bring the ball up and get it over the half court line. But if you're talking uh, about kind of, I mean, what is happening when Mike Conley checks out of the game? The yeah. majority of the time is you see the point of attack guard picking up full court. Now that is yeah. in the scout. That's right, in the scout right, now. Right, when right. Conley's when Conley's out, we're pressuring the ball full court right, right. because the other teams don't believe the Wolves have a backup point guard. Yeah, and good point. And so. Uh, once it's past the half court line, then you just give it a slow mo, and he does his thing. He gets down to the foul line, and then basically pulls out his easy chair and figures out what to do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think like, slow mo? I always imagine him when he's around the foul line of just basically sitting down and yes. just saying, "All right, now what do we got here?" You know, let's get out our spreadsheets and figure out where everybody is. Oh, okay. 
I think it belongs right over there, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> you, him and Rudy ran a below the three-point arc pick and roll in Golden State, which you so rarely see anymore in the NBA. Um, but, like, I was kind of like, I don't know. Maybe, like, that could be a thing. You know, when Kyle's at the nail, elbow extended, whatever, like, sure. There you go. It It's jam-packed in there, but I kind of trust the two of those guys to, to, to work it out. Right. And he also, when somebody plays that slow, it really does allow, I mean, you played more basketball than I have, but even in my very limited time, the pace you match your brain with the pace of the way you're playing, you know, so that uh, if things are going furiously, your mind is going furiously. And sometimes you're going to miss things. Uh, whereas if people have a chance to kind of uh, get into a more natural human thought flow mm -hmm. during a game, they're going to recognize things that they don't otherwise recognize about the pace of play. Right. You know, I, I think it's just uh, I think that when slow-mo is on the court, other people also play more intelligently. And some of that is they recognize that if they do things off the ball, he will reward them. But also, I think it has to do with the fact that um, they're watching the floor. They're seeing the way opponents are reacting and they're, they're, they're thinking more strategically in general. and. Um, right, and that—that's. I, I just think that if Ann has the ball inside the three-point arc, and Sloma has the ball inside the three-point arc, you're operating very, very differently right. as a teammate. You know, it's like the what's the line with uh, Luca and Jokic is like nobody can speed them up, right? And that's yeah. what makes right. them so that's special. A, that's a really good point. Yeah, because they and, are both that way, right? And, and that's the way that's the European game anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's not like no one can speed Kyle Anderson up because there are the bad Kyle Anderson games right, where he right, does. Right. And it's like the turnovers and stuff like that. Right, right. But that's the, that's the Delta between him and Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. Right. Exactly. Is, but most people can't speed Kyle Anderson up, which makes him a very bankable offensive asset, you know, night to night that he's going to get to his because he's knows how to do that. He, he's, he's able to duplicate that eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 right, times. Right. Luca and Jokic are doing it 10 out of 10 times. You know, he's, he's, he's up there like that and it's why it's regulating. Um, but it's also why it's also why Kyle Anderson's as consistent as anyone on this team outside of, you know, Mike Conley. Right. And to bring it full circle, when he's at his best, what Jaden McDaniels does is speed people up. Yeah, I like and that. so you know you you begin to need to 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 make something happen so that you don't get mm -hmm. caught. You yeah. know, and it's important. I, I just I wish there was a way to know whether he can separate his temper from his competitiveness you know right now it seems fairly intractable uh I, I i don't see him being able to do that yet and that's an important 
question. Yeah. If 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 he can't regulate his emotions, I mean the the one that did it for me was back to back shoving of Jamal Murray. Of Murray. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the second one especially was like. Fuck you. You know, I'm, I've had it. You know, I don't care how many technicals I get on this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like it was a heedless, dumb foul. And he had been baited past the point of no return. And that's that's people notice. And and uh, as I wrote, when, when you it wasn't his fault, he didn't know it was cement behind that tarp. But. If you punch a wall and, and cost yourself the playoffs, people are going to know even more than they did before. This guy's got a temper that can really hurt him. Yeah, it's I, I'm not smart enough to know how to analyze the emotional regulation. Right, exactly. or, or, and and well, don't I know mean, great and well enough to, you know, to be and able to. Psychology being what it is, you yeah. do have to basically the proof is in the results. Yes. You know? Yes. And That's why I, I'm more thinking about it. We, we've talked about this just sitting at games. Like I'm thinking about more like technical things. Right. Jaden that protect him from foul trouble. I'm seeing, and I should probably just go through and like watch the fouls. If I can go back and find them. Like I think last season, so many more of the fouls were blocking fouls as people were charging into him this season. It seems to me so many more are shot contests and like getting up to really contest shots, it's like Slipping he made that screens. A I think his 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 desire to slip screens from certain angles, while the mm-hmm. smart ball handler yeah. is cutting off those angles so that they collide. I've seen a lot of those kind of fouls. Right. It's like we we call that the rear view contest, right? When you're you're chasing around the top side. Right. Uh, or, but it could be that it's a side to side thing. It's a side contest. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's basically trying to go to the left of the screener while the person goes right, and okay. instead the guy goes left into him, um, so they yeah. collide. You know, it's a it's a double edged sword though, because I think what I mean what we know for a fact as Finch has told us is he's told all the guards to up their pursuit. Yes. Like their pursuit of everything, Absolutely. which is, and Jaden has, right. But because Jaden has a seven, whatever wingspan, his pursuit gets his hand closer to the ball handler shot. Right. Right. And so that's why, like when he's contesting shots and not fouling, those guys are not making those shots. Right. Like they're just really, really contested shots. They're difficult. Um, but at the same time, he's now just closer into the ball, into the, to the shot. He's getting more foul calls uh, in that way. And that's what it's making it this like, well, we need you to be the point of the spear defensively and be the one who is emblematic of this pursuit mentality that we have defensively. But the way you're doing it, is so good that it's also generating fouls. It's almost like you want Jaden to get a little bit more hand in the face versus hand on the ball. Yeah. Sort, sort of thing. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Because of his length. Just, I mean, what Rudy does, the reason Rudy doesn't foul is because Rudy doesn't try mm-hmm. uh, to, Rudy is into shot deterrence on his contests. If he's going to block a shot, very, very rarely is he slipping anything. He's going right at somebody on a closeout. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and he has an awareness of shot clock, who it is that's shooting, what kind of release point they have. Right. Uh, and to be fair, he's not getting the, the guys who make a living ringing up points. I mean, Jaden is getting the smartest and the most prolific scorers in the game. It's almost by definition, if you're scoring a lot, you really know how to score. And, mm -hmm. and knowing how to score is using the judo techniques of people who go against them, taking somebody's yeah. momentum and using it against them. Um, and he's got a lot of momentum. And, and he's also got a temper. So if you fool him a couple of times, or if you do what Clay did off, off to the side, which probably a lot of us wouldn't have thought about too much yeah. if it hadn't erupted into a brawl, um, I'm sure that people will do ticky-tack stuff to Jaden off-ball that have nothing to do with offense-defense at that particular yeah. time because you want to get under his skin. I'm really curious because I, the reason we're we're dwelling on this is because it's mean I, we believe it's meaningful, right? This oh, because the power he's trouble, the best defender on the team. Yes. So so again, so my mind is going to like what are counter solutions here? Like what are what are things you can do? And and the one I've been asking myself more recently over the last week is like what is the opportunity cost of taking him off the point of attack more often and putting him off ball? Because I mean, I think. He could develop into like a Covington esque off ball. That's a great guy, you know. But they put him at the point of attack all the time, and which we did not think was going to happen as much. Remember after what Na did in the in the play in and then the playoffs, uh, we thought that that's exactly what I'm talking be about. Like a fifty fifty kind of deal, but Na has a certain type, mm -hmm. and, and and some of it is not. I mean, SGA obviously he knows his game. But Murray, he did a good job on. I think it's like crafty but not ultra quick guys are guys that Naw can handle and, and not also, ultra strong. Like exactly, I think, like right. I think Booker for that example last oh. night would more put, you know, go be able. I don't to know who's the it. ideal guy. You know who who handled Booker better than anybody I've seen is Alvarado during that weird. Uh, <laughs> first round series they had. Yeah. And that's just because he was a maniac. Right. I mean, he was mm -hmm. like Pat Bev in his prime kind of, you sure. know, and he got under Booker's skin and very, very few people have done that to Booker. I, I guess it's so it's, it, the theory is if you can pull Jaden off ball more, then he fouls less. Right. That's the theory, right? So to, then to get to that, you need somebody to be able to take the ball more often. And we're saying Nikhil can do that. And well can do that yeah, but on the other end of things. Situationally, you know? it doesn't right. feel like, an, or, or Finch doesn't seem to have enough faith in that to really lean into either of those enough to pull Jaden off. And I think what the ultimate like skeleton key here is, is can Ant do it? Can Ant more often Ooh. take the point of attack? And yeah. Now, maybe I, that's more of a playoffs question. Um, I would just, it's just why I would have loved to see them play Phoenix where they look like they'd slept. Right. You know? Because and, Booker on Ant, uh, Ant that didn't have a cold, wasn't fighting, you know, a lot of things. Uh, it would be an interesting matchup because Ant does like that kind of challenge. Um, Booker's deceptively strong and also 
people don't realize what somebody with 27 foot range can do versus somebody with 24 foot range can do. Because if you got to also worry about that three feet where they can stick a three in your face, mm -hmm. uh, that limits what you can do from 24 to 15 feet. Uh, because you got to make sure that you're guarding a guy way out. That's why Curry obviously is so effective, but Booker has that range now uh, where, where he can bomb from deep and that, that creates three more feet of work for a defender. You know, he might be the, I saw you were tweeting about this last night, like saying Booker has reached the elite levels of outside shooter in the league along with Dame Lillard and Steph Curry or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I agree is getting up there, but he might be the best three level scorer when we talk about that, the ability to be a right. serious weapon from deep serious weapon from mid range and the ability uh, to, to get all the way to the And what's interesting is, is, is Durant is a competitor there, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, right. uh, and uh, Bradley Beal. For that Beal I was going to say, man, like that was peak Beal. That was Beal's game too. Yeah. Um, and, but what, which is one of the reasons I don't like Phoenix, to be honest with you, is because their skills are so redundant, even though they're broad based. Mm -hmm. Um, what happens if Booker and Durant are both hot from outside or both hot from mid range or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's, we'll see. Everybody would love to have those problems. I'm, I'm but much that more open-minded problems. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I remain. I'm still, I'm, I'm 11 games in, man, and Oklahoma City has still got a better record than the Suns. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, this might be a, a dumb topic or question, but what I'm, I'm just curious what you've thought of the in-season tournament. I hate it. <laughs> I, you know, I knew I, 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 knew I was going to hate it, and therefore I do. I'm closed-minded about it because. I don't like to be sold something that is so obviously a con commercial consumer ginned up bunch mm -hmm. of bullshit. What does it mean? Tell me what the, you know, what am I supposed to think of this thing? Uh, and, and I mean, I got into it online one day and, and enjoyed the arguments, quite frankly, because I thought they were so easy to rebut. But, you know, it's like... Uh, for fun. Oh, okay. You know, let's have fun playing basketball. Mm -hmm. That never happens. I haven't watched the game for 50 years because it's not fun. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of fun in basketball. Pro basketball is the greatest sport in the world. If you're not already having fun watching the current product, maybe you want to go watch football again or go watch baseball or something. Because there's nothing wrong with NBA basketball. It's it's fun. Mm -hmm. And and so there's that argument. The argument of uh that it's meaningful can be meaningful for some teams. Uh what's meaningful is winning games throughout the season. You already have 55 to 60 percent of the teams going to the playoffs. Uh, what you want to include the 35 to 40 percent who don't have a chance, uh, and and have like a, a mid season or actually not even mid season, a quarter of the way through the season, 
Uh, you want to have some catnip for the Detroit Pistons of the world in case they can get a meaningless cup, you know, given to them in December in Vegas of all places, which to me is just fucking perfect. If it's in Vegas, you know, it's just, you know, obviously uh, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I went in with a lot of it. I mean, I hardly talked about it at all. I'm not going to like be like, Oh, excessive game preview here because it's an in-season tournament game. What, what I, I, I struggle with the money grab part of it or whatever, and trying to force something home. Um, my question was always, what is the incentive to drive the players to play harder? What, what is, what is going to get them to do more in, in these times? Cause that's your whole pitch here, right? Is these games have an elevated level of importance. I was very skeptical uh, of that idea because I'm just thinking about, I'm like, all right, Carl Anthony Towns about to make $50 million next season. He's already made 200 some million in his career, you know? Yeah. 500 K prize, but only one of the 30 teams get it. How much are they going to all work for it? You know what I underrated the importance of it to the rest of the guys. And I don't think I'm like blowing up, shake Milton's spot by this, but I saw him talking to Troy Brown uh, about it after the last game. And they were looking at the standings. They were looking at the point differentials and caring about it, which again, it just it lit right, the light bulb right. off in my head. And I'm like, what? I didn't think any of the players, and maybe that was just stupid on my part, naive. Then I go, it makes sense that shake Milton cares about it. It makes sense that the whole wolves bench cares about it. You know, like, I mean, let's just go through the bench. So obviously Kyle Anderson has made Kyle Anderson been in the league for a long time. He's made $51 million in his career in nine years. So 500 K not a huge swing there. You know how much money Nas Reed's made in his career in, in four seasons? Six. Million. Million? Yeah, six. six. Okay. He's made $6 million. So 500 K, you know, that's 10% earnings boost to four years just from this thing. I mean, right. Nikhil Alexander Walker's made $13 million in five years. 500K is meaningful to him. And Shake Milton has made $7 million in five years. Not to mention, you go further down the list to like, I mean, Luca Garza has been in the league for a couple of years. He's made two <laughs> two-way two contracts. He's made like a, a hundred. Or yeah, but oh man, those million. endorsement deals are going to come through. Yeah, well, that, that might be true. <laughs> I just, do you get what I'm saying though? Is I, I do. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And um, what is fascinating about that is if that were true, and I think it is true, why not have this thing like three quarters of the way through the season when all your starters are needing a blow and you get to put in the shake Milton's of the world because they have the extra incentive at that point right well, and now. That, and that's where the money grab part comes to it. It's they're literally trying to put intrigue and get the games watched at the beginning of the season when they've historically had their worst ratings. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the thing people talk about all the time is people don't start watching the NBA till Christmas, right? That's why they did this. They tried to get people to watch the NBA uh, before Christmas. And yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I haven't seen anything on numbers or, or, or whatever it might be, but I've spent so little time talking about it because right. I was like, I, whatever. Yeah, I, no, 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 more no. But again, that, that, and quite frankly, I haven't, aside from my, you know, blanket, closed-minded condemnation of the whole thing, I haven't really given a lot of thought to it. Yeah. But um, I do think that your point about it, uh, one, being financially enticing 
for players who don't have a lot of money in the bank, relatively. Uh, mm. And the idea that that you can't maximize that because it's not the right time for the NBA to cash in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets us back to, I'm not a big believer in, you know, wholesale changes to things that will wreck stats and change comparisons and everything. But I think I'm, I'm with the herd that believes that if you had a 60 game NBA season mm-hmm. and, and spaced it out and maybe started at Thanksgiving, instead of Christmas or something, sure. um, then, and and those games would be more, you know, uh, attended. And mm-hmm. even if they're not, I mean, let's say revenue goes down, you still have a product that produces well-rested teams. The games mean more because... The problem no other- is if the answer starts with, well, revenue will go down, but it's I never going to happen. You yeah, know, that's... Yeah. So they would need to reconfigure something in a way that revenue, like for games to go down, for revenue to to make up revenue in, in another way. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's just the... It's the way it, it, it works business-wise here, I think. Yeah. I, I just, it's too bad that everything always has to grow, you know? I mean, I know that's the capitalist model and I'm not going to get right. into politics on that level, but I do think that something, everybody doesn't always need to be paid more, you know? I mean, they've got a great existence. Stasis economically is not death economically. I know that's heresy to you know the capitalist way of thinking but mm-hmm. uh i gotta tell you i'm a i'm a pauper relative to most people in life and i'm very happy yeah. <laughs> um anything else you want to hit on uh from from this past week or that, that, uh, that we missed yeah, I mean, like, what do you think of the league have you watched any games i mean i was just you know it's tough when being on the road yeah. to, to having some of that. I'll tell you, that I like the Kings when Fox. I watched played. that game. I watched that Kings uh, Cavs or one of the two Kings Cavs yeah. games. Yeah, that's the Aaron it. Fox is very valuable player. Is mm-hmm. all I can say. I mean, and and I love the paces. I actually think that that Sabonis uh, Halliburton deal. Um, yeah, you know Halliburton playing with Miles Turner instead of you know. Having and having Miles Turner instead of Sabonis as the guy you chose, Miles Turner was was really good. I, I saw My that guy. that 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 Pacers Sixers game where yeah. they they lost the first one because Maxi got fifty, mm-hmm. and then they came back and Halliburton got like fifty eight points and like twenty five assists with one or no turnovers in those two games. It was just ridiculous numbers. Mm-hmm. And, I think they're the, they're the number one offense, right? Yeah, and, and that they're very bad on defense sometimes, yeah. partly because they, they're they're making that mental exchange. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to score, we'll score more. You mm-hmm. know, right? right. Kind of like the Kings model, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, ironically enough, of last year. And and Rick Carlisle is a good coach, and he's a crank, and he's got his foibles, but <laughs> uh, he's a really good coach. Right. And uh, 
I think Dallas probably, you know, well, I don't know. Dallas is doing really well. I was going to say Dallas misses Rick Carlisle, but apparently they don't because they're playing well too. No, they have. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, we're in one of those, those, I said this to John when we recorded the other day, though, like last year at this time of year, the teams with the best records did end up for the most part, like outside of Utah, end up being the teams with the best records at the end of the season. And I always, you know, I guess kind of in all sports, don't get too caught into the standings right. uh, at, at this time of, of year. But I think to some, I, I think much like we're giving the Wolves credit and, and, and passes when they, when they lose like they did right. last night, it's because we believe that they're one of the, the better teams in the league because they're consistently winning and they're showing their X, Y, and Z. And I think, um, I, I think teams like that, like we should give a team like Dallas that's off to a hot start credit to, or, or maybe, you know, things that we're seeing early right. in Sacramento, right. like those, those were, I think two teams that everyone was like, you know, maybe we don't want to put them up in the firmament of the, the Western conference. I think that is a cool thing with the NBA right now. There is so that stretch of the, the Cleveland golden state year after year in the championship thing where, a lot of the regular season was just feeling negligible and you kind of knew right. where the, the end game was getting. I don't know what the, the NBA right now, like you said at one point earlier, like I guess the odds on favorites to go to the finals are like Denver and Boston, but like, I already know we're going to change one way or the other. We're going to change our mind on that at some point this season. Well, Denver's think- bench is, is weird. And the yeah. Sixers are a lot better than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the, you know, as are the wolves. Like yeah. the wolves are doing the 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 Sixers podcast is saying that about the wolves, or they they right. should be as well, or Dallas's, you right. know, like and and super teams have a middling record right now, and you don't know. Given the thing about super teams is they're full of super egos, because otherwise, you, 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 you if you're a superstar. You have learned, if only for your own protection, to have a super ego, you know. And so, what are Booker, Beal, and Durant going to do if everybody continues to get dinged up or they, they haven't been able to figure it out because they can't get on the court together and they're redundant to begin with? Or what are Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi going to do? Paul George and Kawhi have expiring contracts, and Harden is always a step away from obscurity. I mean, there's a there's a real drama to those, and and on the other hand, you've got like we don't know the answer. Like, no, I think we've gotten like, I think with just those teams that we're bringing up right there, we've we've got to the presumption of failure because we're pointing to one thing. Like Boston, every time I talk to anybody about Boston, it's like, yeah, well, but Porzingis is going to get hurt, and that's just like an assumption. And then you know the right. bottom breaks from there, and it's like. Well, not for sure. And right. and then with the Clippers, too, it's like, yeah, the Clippers, we've done this over and over again, and they're never all on the floor. There. The personalities never work. Well, like, not, we don't, I mean, we don't know. It's never, never like it. And, and you know, Phoenix, and, Phoenix and too. When, I'm not going to just assume it's Brooklyn 2.0. I'm not, I'm not. Right. And when I saw um, the Clippers with Kawhi on all his burners in that early playoff games, they looked like a team that could wipe the floor. You know, they could just yeah, man. run the way, run the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting thought process, even in the if we're looking at it through the 
lens of the wolves, right? Because now I think most of us are seeing the glass half full and thus looking the lens points towards these type of teams. It's like, how do they stack up with Dallas? Right. I, th- I think it's a, you know? I still think it's a step. I want to, I, I, I think people who've listened and read me in the last two weeks know I'm really bullish on this team, mm-hmm. but I also think their ceiling is not even close to a ring. I, I think that there's steps to take yeah. that, uh, they, totally how it goes. Yeah, they, they are going, you know, I think there is so much more time though, to take those steps in the season. And that's why I think it's important that we're at this place right now. And yeah, I'm not calling the wolves. No, no, no. But I I think that a a playoffs around victory is very much in play at the moment, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm not, it's not even how I'm going to project out the team or think about what, Successful. Yeah, don't you don't like, want to get ahead of yourself at the same time you don't want to discount anything. I just I and you know people are probably getting sick of me saying this. It's like I'm seeing a good team, and I'm seeing as Finch said after the last game a lot of meat on the bone. Right. I don't know if they can eat all the meat. I right. I, I I don't know, um, but that's what I'm going to track because right. if they get all the meat off the bone, it is a finals contender. Uh-huh. That, well, that, that, or a Western like getting yeah, to the finals right, 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 contender. Right. I, I really do. There's just a lot of meat on the bone still, and a lot of that ties to uh, consistency of the double big. Look, what is what is Ant doing in growth? Uh, they're going to need to win a back to back at some point this season, and not look like that. And and right now, I mean, I know that was a brutal back to back, but I don't know when their next back, next back to back is. But you know what I'm going to be saying before that? I think the Wolves are going to get killed. Because right. I just, I mean, so there's just these things about them, the defensive rebounding. There's, the, there's some things in the broader context of being a really good team that I'm like, there's a lot, there's a lot more to get here. Um, and that's why I'm, I love that there's 71 games left. Right. There's so, so much time to get those things. And I know they have a coach that isn't going to downshift into coast at any point of the season. I right. know Finch is going to be obsessed about getting those things. So at the se- like, he does not believe in babying his team, and and sometimes I mean he's got idiosyncrasies. One is he calls timeouts at very specific times that he yeah. wants, and he is not uh, he does not base his timeouts on opponent runs mm-hmm. ever, you know. And another one is. If somebody wants to make an excuse about the schedule, he has zero patience for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. he just doesn't want to hear about it. Everybody's got their own deal uh, in terms of schedules. And, you know, nobody pointed to Atlanta's back-to-back as they totally ambushed the Wolves in the second half of game three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there have been games where, opponents have had a rugged game before they played the Wolves. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, everybody gets their share of, of adversity. And John Schumann, by the way, I'll put a plug in for him. His weekly uh, uh, power rankings almost always factor in rest advantages and rest disadvantages. And it's a great way to think because it's a factor. It's as for much sure. of a factor as, whether or not your seventh man is playing well or not, you know? Mm-hmm, for sure. um, and so, um, yeah, the, it's, again, I love the fact that this began 
with uh, what do you think of the play-in tournament? And it's now we're talking about things that really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah right, the right, right. tournament. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I, hey, I will say, though, too, I was really low in the play-in tournament when they put it in. I'm like, what? We, why do we need more than 16 teams? I now think the play-in tournament. I like the play-in tournament. Exactly. What were we saying about but it? Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't that down on it, to be honest with you. I, because that is something where you have meaningful games. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, what those games mean was somebody would go on to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What these games mean is somebody gets a big fat trophy. I yeah. mean, in in December, sure. I don't care. I don't well, care. And that's, and that's you know, maybe if there's, if there's a a trophy when I walk into Target Center that says we won the games in December, uh, I don't care. <laughs> no, but I, if you I, win a play-in game and you get to get to be in a series, even though you're not in the top eight, mm -hmm. I like that idea. Yeah, because you're a playoff. It's more meaningful. That's the ultimate. I like meaningful here. basketball. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with that too. Uh, more meaningful basketball uh, coming up. I got uh, Saturday uh, against the Pelicans uh, in New Orleans. And what a weird team that is! Holy yeah, shit. yeah. I, I was watching a bunch of them at the beginning of the season just on accident, and I'm like, this is useless because it was so <laughs> many injuries and so much Matt Ryan, and so. I'll be watching some New Orleans this afternoon at, at, at some point to see some Zion Pelicans, which will be an interesting, different look for this Wolves team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, obviously Zion didn't play the first time we, they the Wolves played them. So right. I, I wouldn't assume this is going to be a Pelicans team that just rolls over to them in, in the way that they did the first time. The Wolves could lose that game. Absolutely. And then the Knicks, is, and then the Knicks, uh, yeah, you're back home. Uh, but the Knicks on Monday, I mean, that that team is is playing at a high level. And uh, as Jim Pete always points out, and I didn't realize this, I mean, he played for a long time, so he knows. And it is true. Your first game back from a long road trip is kind of like a road game. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. because you don't have that uh, settling in yet. You know? uh -huh. No, that's that's true. And so that's the Knicks, which is the lesson. Then you just settle in against the Knicks, and then you got Philly. On uh, actually, let me let me plug. We have uh, we do have uh, two more tickets to give away to the to the Sixers game on on Wednesday. Uh, for Patreon subscribers, uh, let us give, send us a message. Let us know you're still in town. Would want to go uh, to that game. Um, all you got to do is just send a message on there, and we will pick somebody from that mix. That's Patreon.com slash Dane Moore NBA. Uh, that's what's coming up, Britt. All righty. Pels on Saturday. I'll see you. Uh, Pels, Knicks, Sixers. Kings. Kings. Mm. Yeah. That's, I actually, a nice, that's a nice, it's a meaty platter. It is. It is uh, over, you know, over the holiday and I, I'll miss the game. Right. Actually, let me say that here, too. Oh, I'll, I'll probably say this tomorrow as well, but I leave town for Thanksgiving. Just This is just for listeners. You know this. Uh, so there will not be podcasts next week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, because I'm going to be uh, on the road, not recording. And, and I should put in my own little two cents on this. My next, my next column is going to be a, oh, yeah. um, a mailbag. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you ask questions too early, uh, to be honest with you, they're probably not going to be as relevant. Uh, but I'm going to write it during next week, Thanksgiving week. It's a way for me to bridge Thanksgiving holiday from MinPost. Mm -hmm. and put it up Wednesday. So around Monday, maybe late Monday, early Tuesday, if you've been watching Where should games, they send them? Talk, uh, just uh, hit my Twitter feed with them. Or, yeah, I think my Twitter feed is probably the best place, mm -hmm. at Britt Robson. 
You normally um, put out like a tweet asking for them. I do. And I, I will again, but if somebody wants to start thinking about it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you and I, I, you and I love those. And so probably even next, we're going to record I, on I really Tuesday. Like, I like mailbags. Yeah. So even, even yeah. if the questions don't, uh, maybe make the, the ones I don't yeah. hit the column. Yeah. We can answer those too. If we no, don't like have, a, and it isn't like, you know, We'd have nothing to talk about today, practically. We always go at a hundred, an hour and a half. I know, I know, I know. Speaking of, with nothing more to talk about, I'll be, uh, I'll be back with Kyle Tige, uh tomorrow. We'll uh, take a second recap of the of the week. I'm actually excited to, to to talk to Kyle. It's like with some of you guys, you know, it's a lot of stuff happens over the course of the week. I, I think Kyle. Hey, was... and also Kyle Tige. Uh, may present himself as a fan and is obviously a diehard fan. He knows the game, you know, and I, I think that sometimes his self-effacement and his humor and everything uh, kind of obscure the fact that he knows a lot about basketball and uh, is, is worth listening to beyond the yucks and the fandom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's plugged in. He's been doing this for, he's been doing this for a long time and is, I mean, that, that, Whatever that that's so much of the job too is caring, right? I think and exactly uh, enjoying. You know, it, I mean, mm -hmm. if you if you don't have joy for what you're doing, you know, it sounds like a lousy podcast to me. <laughs> no, uh, so we're we're gonna do that and then and uh, also talk a little bit about some uh, ownership stuff as that is about a month or so away before mm. that starts uh, creeping into the, the Wolves topics uh, du jour. So that'll be uh, with with Kyle tomorrow. Uh, until then, he's Britt. Uh, read his column will be up at Mim Post on, uh, on Friday. He'll tweet that out at Britt Robson. Uh, yeah, until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.